Welcome to the Nick Adler panel. <laughs> I'm actually changing my name to Nicole Adler. Adler. <laughs> Are you marrying me? Is All right. Hello. Welcome. Good to see everyone out this early. Thank you for braving the rain to be here. So the panel today is a fairly loose topic, can be a fairly broad topic as well, but we're talking about artists, brands, and technology. I think the most interesting thing is to, to, to really try and dive into the interplay between all of those different parties. You know, when can artists, brands, and technology platforms, like at SF Music Tech, we have a lot of startups, a lot of new apps and things like that, which are heavily reliant on artists to actually use their products and, and take them out to market. But they're also looking to brands to try and make money for what they're doing. And then in between that, the artist is, you know, they're, they're bringing a lot of value to the table. So how do they get paid for all of that? And so I wanted to dive into some of the dynamics between all those three. And we have some, some really great people representing each of those different camps and all somewhere in between as well. And so, yeah, to kick off, first of all, looking at, you know, how, how are the technology platforms working with the artists first and foremost, but then also looking at this kind of new phenomena of branded content, which we've seen really rise over the last couple of years and, and seems to live very natively on, on some of these social platforms that we're seeing. So that's the agenda. We're going to freestyle a bit as well because we haven't had so much time to prep. So it'll be interesting to see what directions we can take. I'm going to try and leave a good 15 minutes at the end to ask questions. If anyone has a really burning question they want to ask in the meantime, then like feel free to jump in. But, but maybe it's best to leave it till the end and, and we'll let these guys have the floor for the first part. So I want to get everyone to introduce themselves and kind of also as they introduce themselves, say which kind of area you're representing. Are you, you know, representing artists, brands or technology and where you see the kind of the biggest challenge or opportunity is, is for you right now. So and we should do the Nick Adler joke at the beginning, but I'll, I'll let you guys do that. Well, we did it already. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's big to be together. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Nick Adler with a K. Um, I am at the Cashmere Agency, VP of Biz Development. Also, we're part of a sister company called Stampede Management and manage artists like Snoop Dogg, the Far East Movement, and a list of other young hip-hop artists and uh, legacy artists. So you know, on the, on the artist side, Snoop is the perfect example of just the epic brand meets artist meets technology. On the cashmere side, though, we, we, we take it to the next level, which is actually representing brands in the market, marketing these brands, and then just coming up with consulting and social media plans around these brands. So we really are at this, this real synergistic place between artists, brands, and technology. My name's Nick Adler. I own the Roxy Theater on Sunset, and I also produce the Sunset Strip Music Festival. And just in the last year, opened up a company called Adler Integrated that does digital marketing, mostly in the social space, venues like Staples Center, Nokia, brands like iRock, some other festivals, and then obviously the Roxy we do as well. So for me, I, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm in between all of these other people. I don't represent the band and I don't represent the brand, but they usually come together in, in my spaces, whether it's a room or in social. So that's where I can add to the conversation. Are you guys related at all? We're not. We, okay. don't, we don't know. Maybe somewhere, <laughs> way deep back. Uh, Jamie Robinson, Executive Creative Director at Prayer and Odell and Ad Agency. We specialize in a lot of branded content, so I guess I'm also kind of an in-betweener. We have a lot of great brands we work for, Intel and Toshiba, Mattel, Scrabble Games. We do Skype. We do a lot of branded content for those guys. Uh, I guess for us, the interesting thing is trying to do something that honors the brand and doing something that honors the, the artist and trying to find where those 
uh, we could do something that's wonderful for both parties and coming up with a creative solution that is great for the audience too. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of in between, maybe leaning more towards the brand side representation, I guess, but I love artists too. I'm Will Hoover, head of music at GoPro. GoPro is the sports camera turned everything camera. And I've had the pleasure of working with these two gentlemen on different projects. What we've found is that the camera is being used by artists, photographers, musicians, all sorts of people. And it's being used in studios, it's being used on stage, it's being used in lifestyle pieces. And so I think in general, the interaction between the technology that we're providing and all these different avenues in which it's being used is part of what I'm here to talk about. Cool, good stuff. So let's let's dive in. I mean, the first topic, both established technology platforms, technology brands like Skype or, or, or Nokia, um, but then also new startups. Like they, they have to get the artists to either be using their product or, or endorsing the, their product and, and go and take that out to the huge audiences that those people have. And, and Nick, I mean, maybe we could kick off... Uh, there's some examples where it's been like paid endorsements from someone like Snoop, but there's also been just kind of free and organic use. And we were talking before about you know Snoop being one of the kind of the first celebrity users of, of Instagram. How important was that for, for Snoop to be seen as a kind of innovator? And how important was it for Instagram? Was there a significant boost because of that like artist usage? Yeah, regarding Instagram, in all honesty, I think we built it, and I take full credit for it. <laughs> Google it. It's real. Uh, but so basically, I think things have changed so much. But early on, yeah, it was 100% necessary to be seen as an early adopter and to do creative things with innovative with these platforms. And, and, and that all really was around content. So I think, you know, for us, creating YouTube videos before we were cared about subscribers, it was more about putting those YouTube videos out on Twitter so people could follow us and, and, and engage and us talking to other celebrities and that kind of stuff. Now it's different. I mean, now there's just, you know, you have your, your core use platforms that you use and it, it does come down to, I'll be honest, a lot of it comes down to the business. Like if you want us to use this, what's the deal? Is there equity? That kind of thing. But ultimately, if it's an amazing thing and we know we need it, then all that stuff goes out the window because you want to continue to build your network and you know really have a, an audience and and uh, and just entertain them. And I think you know uh, another good example, not to sort of, but is, is SoundCloud, where he, that was a natural use, where he was uh, he took to it, started DJing it, putting up mixes, and then the media picked it up because it was so fish out of water to see like this big hip hop icon spinning heavy EDM and dance music. So all the media was like, wow, this is original and a great use of the platform. So I think to your question around the business and the endorsement of it, now it's super important. And now that's really the first thing we look at is will this platform succeed? If it does succeed, will we drive that success? And if that success is driven by us, then we feel that we should earn in the upside of that. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like what Snoop doing, I mean, if for all of the startups who are in the audience, who are at an early stage, they might be on kind of zero users or 5,000 users. They're not quite at the level of, uh, of an Instagram are today. How should they best approach that? Do they just make a great product and the artists will come? Should they be reaching out? And if so, should they, should they go to people like you who are representing those artists or their agents? Or is it better to go through the label and, and get them using the product? It's, it's a combination. I think you need, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're small and you have, you got to look at your marketing and you need your, a marketing 
person or somebody who can appreciate the music. And, and I think music is really the, the most powerful space, uh, high, you know, high, high profile artists. But, um, and, you know, and reaching out to the labels, it works. And, and they, they, they want to be first too, and they want all their artists on there. Yeah, I mean, with Instagram, I'll, I'll kind of I'll give you a little bit of that story quickly. But basically, we saw it, loved it, called this company up, went to San Francisco to meet with them. They didn't want us in their office because they were embarrassed because it was it was small at the time. And we met them at a coffee shop, and in that coffee shop, we liked them so much we we put them on the app. And uh, we went to another meeting after that, and uh, an article ran in, in TechCrunch, and the guy we were in the meeting with was like, "Hey, you guys, awesome use of Instagram." And we were like, "Well, what? You know?" So. Yeah, you know, they called the PR team, and the PR team released the, the press release, and then you know from that point on, you watched an explosion. So you know that was from from us ultimately reaching out to them. But yeah, I mean, if you're a small platform and and you want artists, just reach out to them. Just call them. Call everybody now. Now every artist has has a guy who manages their social media. It's amazing. I could probably give you a list of guys who manage who are artists online. That's me. <laughs> I'll just jump in because I think the Roxy. Sometimes I look at it as both I, sometimes i look at the roxy as an artist and kind of treat it like i'm managing this artist as the roxy and then sometimes i look at it as a startup so i'm kind of have a little bit of both there and i think it's being a user i mean the roxy uses the technology they they interact with fans they reach out to new companies they don't do things just because we're getting a big paycheck but there's like this opportunity to try something new and that's really got us um kind of in that early adopters phase where we were similar we called josh from instagram and got into instagram really early they put us up as a featured user and since we had a large base on twitter and facebook we were able to move them to instagram similar thing happened to pinterest so even if you are a startup you have to almost treat it as a little bit of the artist mentality like how can i get more exposure and that might be through using some of these other tools or putting yourself out there and since yeah. we're going down the line i can just add one, <laughs> one more thing is that if you are can, like if you were confused or you're not sure what story or what kind of artist you would be interested in kind of promoting your your new platform or getting you know attention towards your new platform you know, one of the things we specialize is looking at your brand and then looking at, you know, artists and trying to make matches between who are the appropriate for your brand. So, yeah, you can always go to through an ad agency or a branded content agency. Yeah. I mean, Will, I mean, for, for your product, GoPro, maybe you could just, for those who don't know it, maybe, maybe just speak for a couple of sentences on what sure. it is. But you've had just a lot of organic usage from the artists. They're actually, exactly. you know, this is something that helps them be interesting. So how has that helped you? And have you had to nurture that, or does it just grow organically? Well, I think that's an awesome question. Just to start out, if you don't know the camera, it's a very small little HD, actually better than HD now camera. The Hero 3, I think, can shoot all the way up to 4K. So actually, I know it can shoot all the way up to 4K. And artists are using this as a way to create content. And I think at the end of the day, content is king. I mean, an artist like Snoop, <laughs> is creating incredible incredible songs over decades of time you know and i think that what a lot of those types of artists are, are dealing with is film crews and film crews are artists in and of themselves and um this little camera creates essentially a new dynamic um in the in the space of the stage in the space of the studio and in recording lifestyle stuff as well so I think what we've noticed is it's been adopted very heavily. Um, and, you know, I think I was talking with you earlier about, you know, 
putting it in the Roxy and getting live footage around it. And I've talked with Nick about working with Snoop and, and doing things on those ends. I've worked with the Rolling Stones. I've worked with Dave Matthews Band, but also worked with bands that aren't known yet. And I think the most exciting thing is, is that the camera is so affordable but so professional that everyone has an opportunity now to create killer content. And you can put it in places that a photographer can't get to. And just as a you know, as a side note, I'm not saying that photographers by any means or videographers by any means are obsolete, um, because the art of creating the video at the end and the art of placement and the art of um, you know videography and photography is still there, but. Musicians can put these things with Velcro tape all around their instruments, um, all around the rooms, you know, and start creating these incredible pieces that are in better than high def um, and put them up online. So they have a direct link with the consumer um, at a level that is highly professional if they have the video editing capabilities. And, and so. And then just, just, just to jump in, uh -huh. I mean, uh, we, like, kind of talking about how you're working with artists if, if you're doing something with with Snoop or the Rolling Stones right. um, is it like what's the kind of the benefit there are they using it because that helps them be interesting um, but it's also really great marketing for you guys right so is there like what's the consideration there yeah I think it's a I think it's a um, you know a win-win relationship in that sense I mean I think the feedback that I got from the Rolling Stones for example is that they were surprised that there were even cameras on stage they had totally forgotten about it. So all the moments that they had on stage were totally authentic. There wasn't somebody in with a big steady cam right in their face. So they created um, footage that you know is kind of never before seen, really exciting stuff. So they get this opportunity um, to kind of be at the cutting edge of a technology where cameras are now turning into camera systems. And, and, and our, our, our cameras are essentially, you can put you know, 50 of them on stage and capture all the different angles that nobody would, has ever seen before. So, so for you guys, the, the, the pitch then to the artist is just, well, you know, our product like, helps you. Yeah, I mean, again, back to content, you know, it's like the Stones have never se had never seen any of that type of footage of themselves. Yeah. So that's, you know, in their eyes, also cutting edge. Yeah. Cool. I, I think, it, sorry, just to yeah. add to that, I mean, I think Instagram and GoPro are, are great examples of, of access. And I think that's really the connection mm -hmm. where the brand wins is Definitely. that they're giving access to something that's never been seen. And that's why Instagram works so well for artists and for venues is because we might not think the green room of, of, SF Music Tech is interesting, but to someone, they might never have seen the inside or what it's like loading into a venue or what a, it looks like coming off a semi-truck. That's like a piece of their story, and it's just now we're able to tell those and, and from different angles. You know. Yeah, and so, you know, with, with all these different technology platforms, I mean, they you're putting technology into artists' hands to create this amazing content. Um, and that's content that's special. In times, it can be very intimate. It can be highly targeted. Um, and, you know, I think over the last year with this, you know, the rise of social and the, with the rise of the use of this technology, it's given rise to branded content. And, and brands see this content, they're like, 
oh wow okay if if the rolling stones are sharing an intimate mo- intimate moment backstage then you know as a brand how can i tap into that and it's it, it seems like the brands they can't just turn up on um you know twitter and take out a big banner advertising or they can't you know it's not as effective for them just to um you know like buy an audience in the more traditional sense of it so i mean jamie that's that's kind of what you're working on so yeah. i mean for those who might not be hopefully everyone kind of gets this space a bit but could you talk a bit more about branded content and what your take on it is branded content is like a a whole new creative piece that you can it's created by a brand using an artist um and and it's a kind of a a merger between those two entities to create something new and exciting for the audience and you know it's it's a space that's been really developed um over the past couple years something that is really near and dear to my heart because we've been doing a lot of it um, especially in the film space um, I actually started doing branded content a couple of years ago. I, I had forgotten, I didn't tell you, I actually did something with Adidas. I'm looking at your um, Adidas um, shirt, sweater. Um, but I had done something with Adidas um, in Major League Soccer where we had created um, a different song. We looked at, we looked at uh, English football culture and we realized each of these great football teams had great chant songs and American football teams did not. So we were like, oh crap, Like, how can we get people to start getting excited about being at an American soccer game, um, at football soccer? English American, um, sorry. Um, and so we said, we'll start creating some songs for these guys that have these great chants in them and put them in stadium. And we did that with it through Adidas. And, um, and it was really exciting because we had like bad brains doing DC United and like, um, like even brands that you wouldn't think would do a chant, like Polyphonic Spree uh, did something for the, the FC Dallas. So, um, so it was all about getting local brands to do that. So it's, it's kind of a merger between um, uh, entertainment and branding and I think one of the biggest tricks that we found is brands can't be uh, there's a fine line you can neither be too aggressive with your brand or else it becomes a commercial and nobody gives a shit um, or you can well people you know give a shit but they give a sh- lot less of a shit um, or <laughs> and um, and it can't be uh, free of the branding or else it's just you know a film or a music video or, or a song um, and so uh, you know, the audience is actually really welcomes uh, being upfront with the fact that, hey, this is a film, a social film for Intel and Toshiba. It's going to feature the computer, but it's going to be really awesome content. It's going to be a really great movie that you can participate in. So maybe you guys will just, you know, embrace it. And uh, and they did. They did. But I mean, uh, quite, quite often this content is, is quite a challenge because you're inserting that into places where people are, are looking for, you know, like other content you know if you're if you're suddenly listening to a green day album and then all of a sudden you have something else or you're watching this video and and toshiba comes along what what are the challenges of like how do you make that work how do you make those two gel together you have to make your content really 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 good um that's the first thing it's they can people can get like non-branded content out in the world for free um and that's awesome. So if you're a brand and you're going to try to put, you know, yourself in the middle of this environment where people are looking for to be entertained, you have to make sure that your work, your your content you're putting out is just as good if not better and mostly better than the stuff that they can get for free. Um so for brands what's interesting is a lot of times they have to take chances. The first uh, we did we um sort of uh 
I don't want to say invented, but we were we coined this term social film, which is basically uh, movies um, that the audience can use social media to interact with. Um, the first one we did was, uh, they're both for Intel and Toshiba. We had done two of them so far. And the first was a thriller. And we locked this girl in a room. And um, and basically she had to use her computer to try to figure out, you know, to solve the mystery of who she took her and where. And the minute the episode ended, she was on Facebook uh, and was chatting in real time, we had a screenwriter, um, with the audience. In order for that to be successful, Intel and Toshiba had to do content where we would lock a girl in a room, where she would be nearly naked the whole time, <laughs> within the realm of taste. We actually had a camera, uh, you know, she, I mean, and she's, she was good looking, so it was okay. Um, and, uh, and so we had a, um, a camera, like at one point the bad guy puts a camera in the shower so that, uh, you know, to show her that she is not, she's being watched everywhere. Like, brands have to be willing to be that brave and, and, and open up their, themselves to, uh, to things that they wouldn't normally do in a commercial space in order for it to be successful. Yeah. And so, I, I was, oh. to one point to that, uh, quality of uh, content is, is so important. I like, 100% agree, right? Because so, we're so trained to watch branded content now that we just, it just washes past us when it's really good. It's great. One other thing I think is important to that point is, is that I'm watching a lot happen and, and we're doing is, is consistency with brands. So like it's kind of a flashback to, to, the, to the Ed Sullivan Theater, the Texaco, or the um, uh, Milton Berle Texaco <laughs> Theater, right? Where it's like early, early cable or early, early television, just a brand just owned it. It was no apologies. Like, yeah, you're watching the shit I paid for. So enjoy it and, and, and buy Texaco, right? So I think that's happening again now where it's, it's totally fine for, for um, a brand to go, hey, this is the Nestle yeah. R. Kelly hour. And uh, people are like, oh, cool. Nestle <laughs> R. Kelly makes terrifying. sense, right? <laughs> but, but how, how – oh, go ahead, I, I was just going to say this all comes from the, the downfall of the record business because obviously all of these brands are all popping, popping up and, and connecting with artists because the artists don't have any money anymore. And I think it was either Quantinance or, or Flom – I think it was about 10 years ago, actually brought together a group of advertisers and a group of managers and, and kind of kicked this whole thing off. And that was about 10 years ago. And it was right when they realized they weren't getting tour support and they weren't getting the video budgets. And they were in a place like, okay, well, where's the easiest place to go get money? And so that that is kind of where this conversation started. It's gotten so much better now. And it's not just putting a banner up behind someone's band, but really getting integrated with you know what what they're doing yeah but i mean do, does it mean that i mean does that put the artists like creativity and their art at, at jeopardy um like if, if if they're having to do something um to, to, to say what the brand wants them to say no <laughs> it, it can't it can't because then it's not authentic for the audience either i mean one thing we, we oh sorry i'm so sorry do we don't talk i'm sorry <laughs> all right just finish no. <laughs> yeah, I was going. gonna say we actually work with Nick um, Adler, this Nick Adler over here in Snoop, and we did something for um, for uh, Jawbone um, to launch their jam box in Brazil, and it was creating a song um, with uh, Brazil's biggest rapper uh, Marcelo D2, and um, and they basically compose it over the product, which also happens to conference calls. Right, so they've composed this kind of over the speaker. They composed a track. They weren't in the same studio, but they composed it over the over the product. And we shot a video and did a back behind the scenes video of it. Your Snoop's integrity was not at all in jeopardy. That was right. It, well, it wasn't exactly pocket like it's hot, but basically, you know, <laughs> the, 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 I, I want to go like essentially. Yeah, 
it's the quality of the product. So yes, a lot of mu- musicians are doing branded content that we watch and go, that is ridiculous and it was absurd. Yes. Um, yeah, sometimes it's done incredibly seamlessly and we just appreciate it and you go, oh, like I, I was really, I was talking about this earlier and some people disagreed with me, but I thought the Lincoln Beck thing that just came out is awesome. And I think, you know, you have a different opinion a little bit, can, right? Can you the describe branding. that? For I mean, anyone who so I don't know it. if anybody's seen it, but I saw, I just kind of came across my Facebook feed and it was Beck performing at some massive auditorium with a gospel and, a, and he's redoing David Bowie's, um, a classic David Bowie song. And I, I just thought it was beautifully executed and I watched the whole piece. And there was a very subtle, subtle Lincoln branding, and I, and I remember saying like, like, that's amazing that Lincoln would do this, and it looked like it was expensive. And then I was reading the New Yorker, and there's the Beck Lincoln um, insert. I'm saying, okay, it's starting to get planted in my brain, and and I really, on the reverse of it, I really respected Lincoln, a car I would probably never drive, let alone even forgot they're in the market, and I'm like. That, that's, that was cool. Like I support them. I think they're, they're doing good things in the spirit, I think, of what a BMW has been able to do. But I think you have a, a different opinion on the whole thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, gosh, controversy. Um, I haven't seen the whole thing, to be very honest, but I did look at it on my phone on the way in because actually um, Nick was just telling me about it. My, my only concern is, and it really depends on what Lincoln does with it, is I would prefer if Lincoln had had done something um, where the, the, the car had been more front and center in some capacity. Um, one of the, the big grand, great granddaddy of branded content probably is the BMW films. I don't know if you guys remember that um, from the thing. What was fucking brilliant about that was the car was there the whole time. It was an integral character to the whole thing. It was, um, and, and so you couldn't remove it. It, couldn't, it wasn't just so-and-so paid for this. It was about that product and how badass that product was at getting Madonna and um, Clive Owens to places, you know? So um, that's that. my only concern with the BMW thing, and I only, I mean, the Lincoln thing, and I only saw for a second, they may link it back better, um, was that it, it felt ancillary to um, the product or the, the and, and it was more Beck show, but, but maybe they're going to come back and round it out in a better way. But this is where it lives right here this is the artist and then you more represent the brand so you want to see your brand in there and you want to make sure that it's your artist front and center and that maybe he got out of a lincoln and then went to perform so it's always kind of finding the balance between these two where it works and what i was going to add earlier was that what we're seeing now is we're seeing brands actually elevate some of the artists and i and i think Mm -hmm. that that's a nice change that we're starting because i was going to say i mean we've established that you know you can get a big artist you can um whether it's the beck example or a snoop example you can do something that resonates with them creatively it works for the brand obviously there's times when that can go horribly wrong um but but from uh and and i'll address that in I'll, i'll address that in a minute but for i mean does it really scale i mean for a for a smaller artist yeah great if you're big and you've got a big audience you're probably making money anyway for a small artist how do you how do you benefit benefit off this new kind of phenomenon and, and where's the money well it's it's a dis, it's it's a it's almost like a label i mean it's somewhat like a and r i mean will if uh, if will goes with gopro to south by and he does something where he's filming these young bands and and then he's going to put them on their site and it's going to get pushed out he's spending his money to take an unknown band and he's getting uh that he knows bands and he, he knows young bands and the band's getting a full production of from from will so there it does go both ways and and that's what bands bands can't look for that label it's not that ultimate three hundred fifty thousand dollar five record deal it's not around so they might as well go see okay 
uh, blue microphones. Maybe I can do something with them and get my name in here. And then so bands, young bands, I see it all the time in the Roxy, they're using the smaller brands to kind of work themselves up to the next brand and the next brand. And then they have enough going on that they can pull in that label manager, et cetera. And I think yeah. it's fair to say something about user generated content um, in the sense that bands are, are, are really generating a lot of that right now. And I think that that's what gets discovered by, by brands. Um, and if it's clever enough, it can fly on its own and that can be their property and they can own it, you know. Uh, a brilliant example of that is OK Go, um, probably the best right, one. And yeah. actually, they, they were a part of my Adidas project, project as well for Chicago. But they are a band who has completely taken their own videos and turned it into a an entire industry. I mean, people... It's like a science know, project. Of, it's, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's because so of their cool. creativity, yeah. they're, they're able to do that. And they're, they're a dream... Um, situation. I mean, a good example, I think for me personally, is actually the Roxy with, with a lot of early dubstep stuff, what I was hearing coming from, from Scion. Yeah. And Scion, was the Scion, yeah. like Scion was, I thought for years, the way they really focused specifically on music, but not a, not on commercial artists, but among like, like they go really into like hashtag music, like metal dubstep or whatever it is. So, and I see like when I go by the rocks, there's like a line down the block for every one of those shows. Yeah, kids that I don't think we could have ever gotten to and they, I think it also has to do with their demo. They know who want who they want buying their cars. They know who that is and they go just like any ad agency and they search the demo and they go, you know what, how do we find this? You know what, those kids are listening to dubstep or they're gonna listen to dubstep in the next three years. And they were doing, every, every single dubstep artist played the Roxy um, with, four or five years ago, maybe even five years ago. And there was a line down the street and and I didn't even know what it was other than the fact that things fell off the ceiling and the whole entire foundation of the Roxy shifted. So if you ever go there, some of the doors don't work because of Scion. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting, like Scion now. Like I, I watch them; they're 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 heavy in metal now. Yeah, they they give away black socks is one of their like big giveaway things at um, at the shows, and every kid gets a pair of black scion socks and you know we sat around going why would you do that well when you're you know whatever you know you're sitting at home and you're sitting with your friends and you got black scion socks it's it's another it's intimate it's your your it doesn't get closer than socks you know <laughs> so let's let's so, so taking this from the from the offline world of socks um, the scion thong i just wanted to add one i didn't one get one thing. of those yeah go on, go on. i think that also the it's like knowing your audience too right i think that the audience now is trained to social media and so everybody's looking around they're not necessarily looking at mtv you know they're looking for interesting content like nick was saying about the kind of access to artists i think that since the cd's gone it's just essentially a coaster now um artists are 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 getting their fans to come to them by providing content that is unique like Let's say John Mayer opens up his guitar case and tunes his guitar. For a John Mayer fan, that's really interesting, you know? And that's something that if you have cameras parked around him and he forgets about him, you get a really authentic moment. But I think you can also, you know, orchestrate it in other ways. But I think what, what I've been seeing out there is that 
all these different bands are, are now starting to become their own mini little publishing houses and their own social yeah, media houses and their own brands. And so, so, so now all of a sudden kind of have that fulfillment of the original prophecy, so to speak, of the fact that the labels are not providing this anymore. So now the artists have to come up with it. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden that's a real burden. But then as technology starts to make it easier all of a sudden and this is my favorite part of this whole thing the artist it kind of democratizes the whole thing the artist gets to own their content the artist gets to direct their creativity and if they get that fan base that's huge that's a whole like yeah paradigm shift i don't want to take us off course obviously but i I do think it's funny what you bring up because from the artist side and from looking at you know look our core outside of the artist making what they love which is making music we have to figure out how do we continue to build build business around this and, and make the revenue so we can sustain what we had when the music industry was good, right? So And, and go beyond that and become people like Jay-Z, et cetera. But what's so interesting about what you're saying is with the John Mayer piece and the 27 cameras, like that's insane, sick, heightened experience. And that's where we're, I, I really think we're leaving. Like right now we're in the branded content space, but it's when he, John Mayer can capitalize on that and you're paying, you know, you're going into John Mayer's world, and that really is the John Mayer network. That's the next evolution of this, and that's where I think in two, three, four, five years we start talking less about the brands, more about like what, uh, what's the, the the Republican Bill O'Reilly, what's the guy who has the paper, Glenn Beck, like the Glenn Beck model, right? That's the next phase of this whole thing, where where, where we where we are less talking about brands, we're just talking about how impressive and how amazing the experience the artist is creating, and the fact that people are ready to pay for it. So let's let's bring this back to the technology platform. So I mean, the the brands they're you know sometimes successfully, sometimes less successfully, um, like teaming up with the artist to create this great piece of content. Um, if you're not giving away socks, then and you're creating digital content or film or music, then obviously you need to target that audience that you're looking for. Um, and you know you mentioned social, you you need to make that social to get attention. Um, it seems different from the classic advertising where it's like, okay, I know I'm going to buy the audience that's watching this thing or or listening to this um, show on the radio. Um, so how do you, when you, when you've, Jamie, when you've created this branded content, like what's the next step and how, how are the technology platforms helping that? Do you yeah. just have to be interesting or are there certain um, things you can do? So, yeah, I mean, YouTube uh, for film is really the natural thing. Right now for music, you know, there's so many different players that are kind of coming up and we're trying to figure out who's, you know, we're, we're, we're experimenting on all of them. Um, we... Or it's, it's never kind of gone are the days that you could have something really cool and you could throw it out on the internet and be like, oh, I hope it works because no one's spending millions of dollars to create content or, or even, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to create content and then just hoping it works. There's good, there's so many things out there. It's like you got you to gotta be smart about it. This, we have a very special secret sauce, but it involves, and, and I say secret sauce because I don't really know all the details of it, but it involves creating blog, blogger partnerships and um, and then working with those blogger partnerships to kind of start a fire and let them kind of get and, and spread your, your message out there and spread your content out there. Is that what you're asking? Uh, like something like that? Because, I mean, the, the, the thing is, when you do it that way, you have to, again, make sure that your, your stuff is cool because it's like nobody wants to be the editor or the blogger that's kind of talking about is being a shill for something. You have to make sure that whatever you've got is worthwhile and that there's a real value for the audience. Anyone else to contribute on that question? So, I mean, how, like, once you have the marriage of the artist and the brand, mm-hmm. how are you utilizing the technology platforms to, to get that content to resonate with, with audiences? 
I, you know, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's YouTube. It really is. It's uh, it's putting those together and putting out that that piece. I mean, obviously, SoundCloud's a good example of it. YouTube. I mean, just just taking the taking the product and then seeding it virally. I mean, for us, we we have such a massive social media following that you know we can usually spark it ourselves, and then hopefully, and it gets the media pick up and all that, and hopefully, it's good enough. That it rises above yeah. all the, you know. Hopefully, it's the Harlem Shake, right? Yeah. And and what about? I mean, other platforms. So you know, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. Oh, yeah. I mean, certainly Twitter or Tumblr. They they you know you don't turn up and traditionally advertise. There's this kind of nation, notion yeah. of promoted content. Is is that a good thing or? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of success with on Twitter, especially with promoted trends. Um, it's amazing if you put the right trend up there, how it can get picked up and um, and we've seen trends that we put on there for um, for brands kind of live for days beyond. The the promoted trend um, and also promoted tweets and things like that. It's Twitter is like crazy ass warfare. If anybody's ever been on, like seen it, like you basically put your thing up there and then everybody tries to hijack it. I've been watching it. It's terrifying. It makes me nervous, but it's, there's people that get really excited about being a part of that. Um, but one great thing is, I mean, uh, Snoop has a, a great, um, a great following. And, and when you're a brand and you can find someone who has a great following already, then you can kind of tap into their, um, their Twitter following or their YouTube following. Um, we actually had in our last social film, um, a guy named Matthew Gray Goobler, which you guys may not know. He, he's in, um, Criminal Minds. Uh, we actually had him as just one of the actors, um, in it. He he has like 300,000 raging female uh, teeny bopper followers who love him. And they went bazonkers and they totally, he put it, he tweeted about it and they were like, oh my God, Matthew Gray Goobler. And I swear we had like millions of views on our thing just from Matthew Gray Goobler fans. And, and you know, it was amazing. So when you have the power of someone who has a great social media following and you involve them in your content, uh, an artist or a, an actor, then it can really make it sing. Funny little side note. You know who really benefits from um, Snoop's tweets is Waffle House. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not joking. Like we met. At like if we. Do you get money? If we, if we. I wish we got money. I've tried to call him a bunch of times. If if it if it if it happens to be like I don't know between probably between 11 p.m. and and 6 a.m. and whatever coast it is and we and we tweet something like you know just puffed and want a waffle or something. Waffle House. Will be the number one trending topic, and that what does that go for now? Two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. It is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I can, I can, I can literally predict when IHOP, Waffle House, or (laughs) something like that will will benefit. Actually, that brings me another point. Speaking of branded content and how how you sort of prove it, um, we did something called Pocket Like It's Hot, Love It or Hate It, and it was. I loved it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Pocket Like It. If you don't know. Um, there was a song called Drop It Like It's Hot, and a really some young creative probably was sitting in an office one day and goes, Pocket Like It's Hot. And uh, somehow they sold it through the Nestle chain of command, which is a pretty conservative brand uh, company. And they were like, let's, let's do it. And, and wh- you know, what, I've, what I've found out since then is that Hot Pocket's a traditionally soccer mom brand. But in today's evolving media and niche audiences, they go, no, 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 like, let's focus on who really buys Hot Pockets. And that's a Snoop fan, and that's a kid who's playing Xbox, who's probably you know whatever, and wants a <laughs> wants a hot pocket. So, what do you do? You get Snoop Dogg to remix Pocket like it's hot. And actually, I hung up the phone when they called me on that, but they were serious, and and um and we and we got it together. So you know the I guess the point I'm trying to make is in this evolving world, like leaving the sort of who you're supposed to market, and 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 like it's 
you have to, and it's 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 bad if you market to this audience that really buys your product. They did it, and social media was how to how to become a success, and that was one of the I think YouTube named it like the top ten branded videos of the year last year. And so I, I wanted to leave some uh, time for questions from the audience, but just before we wrap up, uh, maybe we could go down the line and just get one one really great example where artist brands and technology have come together, and one where it's where it's been a disaster. I'll go after Jamie. Okay, so I think a good example, I don't know if you guys have seen this one out there, but um, Carter Beaufort, the drummer for the Dave Matthews Band, stuck a camera in his mouth and started, you know, one of his incredible solos. And it's just kind of mind-blowing to be Carter Beaufort for a minute and see what it's like to play drums like that. So I would say that that was a successful kind of like point of view of what it's like to be a major artist. Um, and... I think a, a failure just from my perspective in, in, the, in the camera world is putting a camera kind of up in the corner and expecting that the like magical filmmaker is going to show up and make magic for you. Um, I think that that ends up looking like a surveillance camera, which can be a cool effect, <laughs> but um, th those would be my two. Anyone want to jump in next? Pocket like it's hot. I <laughs> No, and one bad one, or, or was that the bad one? Both. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Uh, Jamie? Um, I really liked, um, and I, it's like with a band that I worked with, I had mentioned before, but I really liked what uh, um, Chevy um, Sonic had done with the, um, with the OK Go car um, to make this, the music video out of music, out of track, out of car parts. That was awesome. Chevy Sonic did it, right? Yes, they did. Um, and so I thought that was pretty bitching because it was like, it was just all made out of carp. It was it was hypnotic, um, and also pocket like it's hot. And I'm sorry. And then um, bad, you know, I uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's anything where um, uh, the the brand didn't take enough credit for it, and it was completely overlooked. Nick, um, I think I don't want to say bad, but one that I thought was transparent was I there was a couple of years maybe a year ago, two years ago, there was like a gummy bears method man red man video, and I like. I had such high hopes for it, you know, I'd heard about it, I'm like, this is awesome, Gummy Bears, Method Man, Red Man, that makes a lot of sense, or actually maybe just Method Man, and when I saw it, it was like, it was a gummy bear just like doing the cliche, like B-boy -B poses and Method Man rapping, it was just like a joke, but anyway, that would be my not, my not great one, and I think from a, from a great one, I mean, you know, I, I really like the, like I said, I really like the, the Beck stuff that just came out, I think, you know, I think that um, I actually Urban Outfitters, and I didn't even actually no no Red Bull Red Bull amazing the Red Bull Music Academy, and this like the fact of the matter that they're putting out really amazing content. It'll get thirty thousand hits on YouTube, but it doesn't matter. Like there's just so much of it, and there's so much of a story, and you really forget what Red Bull is selling you, and you're just like I, I want to go and tune into it. So I, I think they're just knock it out of the park. And I think that has to do with the quality because yeah. I think Red Bull that's what they really that I think. That's what defines them is everything they do is quality. So I think it goes back to the brand is this is a quality brand. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that's kind of an overriding theme. You know, this is this is something interesting for brands. It's something interesting for, for technology and the artists. But if the it has to be about the quality, it has to be authentic, good content. Um, and that's when the three really, really play well. I together. guess it's, it's quality or that access on the other side. It doesn't have to be the most amazing looking quality. So but if the, the access is so... Um, it's almost like you're there with them, like like you were just saying, like yeah. putting the camera in his mouth. I mean, it's either that access or the quality has to be. Yeah. 
Cool. Great. Okay, so um, any questions? I think we have someone with a mic. So Nick with a K, you had mentioned that revenue is essentially the backbone of the industry because you're running a business at the end of the day. And what kind of tools, whether it be social media tools, technology, what kind of tools are you using today to help drive ticket sales, to help drive revenue at the end of the day? Um, well, I mean, you know, I think, I think uh, a big focus on e-commerce now, um, trying to figure out ways, you know, I, I, I think Topspin's an amazing platform. I mean, I mean, as they evolve, uh, you know, what they just did, what I've seen them do recently of how they're packaging, um, screening experiences, intimate experiences, selling not just um, a traditional ticket to a show, but selling like you know one of a kind products that the that the artist touches for a premium value. I mean, you know, obviously it, it's scalable, right? With a bigger artist and someone like Snoop, you can do all types of things to drive revenue, whether it's Twitter, uh, paid tweets, and you know the likes, right? But when, when it's a smaller kind of a startup artist, it's looking for platforms like, uh, you know, I just learned of one out of uh, San Francisco called We Demand, or uh, a, a thing, uh, a crowdsourcing uh, concert series, concert app out of Brazil called Coremos, where you know, you're using these tools to like get your niche audience of fans to get together and book you and sell out the show. You know, I saw this group, Bad, Bad, Not Good, just did it in Boston. And, and like, they're not a huge group. But, and I don't think they would normally sell out. Like, uh, uh, they might think they sell out the Roxy. I, I don't know. But, they, but in Boston, they just use this platform, uh, Coremos. It's called something else here. Is that the one they use in Brazil? That's the yeah, one. that's the one in Brazil. That's so cool. So they're just, they're basically, it's like the Kickstarter of music, mm -hmm. right? So they're getting together. The, the people who raise the initial funds get their name on the poster that's promoting the show, like at the bottom. They get their, they get their actually to enter for free because the show sold out. So their money gets, comes back to them as the initial who got the core uh, guarantee down. So it's like all, that's kind of how we're looking at it. We're looking at new, new things and we're using e-commerce just on the larger artists to really sell really good products as opposed to just, hey, buy the t-shirt for 30 bucks. And something that we're seeing a lot at the Roxy is kind of what you were just talking about. This band Emblem 3 is playing, I think this weekend, and they sold out, they had a $20 ticket, and then they came back and did a $75 vip experience meet and greet with the band they actually made and they didn't even involve us well i'm dealing with that separately but <laughs> um it's not funny <laughs> and uh and they've sold tickets for 75 dollars and sold out in 30 seconds and they sold 400 of them and so th there is this whole another level and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the access because anybody can see not anybody can see the show but can you meet them can you shake their hand can you take a picture with them so it's kind of it's 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 evolving the the, the connection with the brand or the or the artist cool any other questions we've got one at the front here this is i guess for the whole panel you guys touched on red bull but a brand like red bull that actually creates platforms for artists versus a brand like skype who's one of your brands that kind of just does these one-offs and pours millions of dollars into a one-off event versus a brand like Red Bull that will spend the same millions to actually put a band on the road, Red Bull Records and everything else they do around it. Like, what? How do you guys feel? You as some of the people that are in charge of that, how do you feel about suggesting the Skype to do a one-off event concert or suggesting to Red Bull, hey, give us money and we'll actually pump you for two years, ten years for your loyalty and building a brand? I mean, I guess it was a case-by-case -case basis because it would come down to, like, is it a good thing for 
the brand? Is it a good thing for the artist? And is it a good thing for the for the audience? I mean, I think one of the things I think about a lot is the audience, just in my day to day, and whether or not the audience will benefit. Now, obviously, if it's a new if it's a new artist, or we're, we're creating a platform where we bring new artists up, um, then I think it's it's in the end good for everybody. Um, but you know, I, I was talking I was talking to these guys before. It's like I think the majority of work that most uh, branded content has been in has been in film. And I think the reason why for that is because uh, is because it's natural, more natural for um, both uh, marketers uh, and and ad agencies to go into film uh, just by virtue of they're used to doing commercials. It's an easier get. YouTube's been established for that. I think there's a huge frontier in music, and we have just yet to scratch the surface of what we can do. Um, one of the things we're working on right now is a social music video with Snoop. Um, what else can we do that where we can kind of use music as a, a way to connect with people? So maybe there is something in the future about creating a longer term thing with Skype. I don't know. Um, it just really depends on what the what the idea is and and how sustainable it is. Yeah, Nick, you brought up the Red Bull example. I mean, is there when is it right for a brand to invest in something that's that's kind of you know a long term investment in something versus just doing a one off um, you know to promote a product or gain attention for one moment well i think like you said the idea but i think it, I, I it's a great way to do it if you're gonna i mean it's a huge investment i mean i like mountain dew did it early with the green label sound which i thought was great because they signed some really cool artists early like you know guys who now are uh, are a big exposure and i mean red bull is just like going back to them i mean that's just in the amount of money that they spend i mean the fact is they're a business about creating content let, as much as they are a business about creating beverages. And if, if, you're, if you're a brand that's going to be able to do that and have that kind of foresight and you have the, the money to sustain that, then all, uh, I'm for that all day. Yeah. Uh, and they stuck with I mean, AWOL Nation is a perfect example of a band that didn't happen right away. And it took probably four years that they stuck with that band, kept putting them out on the road, <laughs> and now they're, they're finally getting that back. And I don't even think they want to get it back in terms of they want to make money on that. They want to put that back in, and that's, it's an ad at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the other concern is, you know, one thing that we're all obsessed with, all of us in this room, is doing something that's never been done. So it would, there would have to be a very different point of view or perspective that one of our brands could take that's something that Red Bull hasn't done um, in order for it to make sense because there's no reason being constantly every every article that's ever written about that will be so you know so and so brands riffing off of what Red Bull did it's never it's never good for a brand to do that okay uh, yeah down the front uh, I think this is a question for Jamie yeah. um, do you think that branded content that's film-based can be very successful strictly in social, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or do you think it needs to also go along with a big media buy, rollingstone.com, or some other big media channel where you have to pay a lot of money to get those guaranteed eyeballs? Um, you can be successful without any media spend, but it's really difficult. Um, you know, I think... You'd have to you'd have to involve some pretty big artists who have big social media pull that can do that, but then that costs money. Um, I think one thing that you know is the worst thing in the world is I've seen a lot of people just spend so much money on putting something out that never gets seen, um, and I think that you know uh, what's very fascinating is um, the model used to be spend twenty percent on production and eighty percent on media. That was when it was TV. 
that was what the model was. As we move into branded content, it's moving towards more a 50-50 or even an 80-20. It's not gone that far, but 50-50 production, 50 on media. Um, because we can make our money work pretty smart. You don't have to spend, you know, the, the amount of eyeballs you can get comparatively in branded content versus a traditional campaign uh, is it's a fraction of the cost. It is a fraction of the cost. And you're getting much more quality engagement. Um, it's, it, it's, it, people are volunteering to watch it. It's pass along value. And when you add a social layer in where it's, for example, like um, on this last one we just did, we had a guy woke up every day. It, the film was about a guy who woke up every day looking like a different person. Um, he was the same person on the inside, but he looked different on the outside. And he fell in love with a girl. Um, and it starred Topher Grace and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It was directed by Drake Doremus, who's a, a Sundance Grand Jury Prize winner. Um, and what we were able to do, because they, he looked different every day, was let the audience play him. Anybody in the audience, old, young, any, anybody could play him because he looked different every day. And they would make a, a, a web journal on his Toshiba laptop with Intel inside. And then that became part of the film. So when you did that, you open the door and that's that access too. It's the access to the content and being part of being a co-creator. So um, I do think you do need, an, I do quite honestly think you need a media buy, but I think it is such a small, small percentage of, uh, of what it would be if you would try to get the same result uh, in a traditional campaign. Cool. I think we've got time for maybe two more questions. Um, so right at the back there. Hi, my question is from the perspective of a new startup who is in the music content space, still um, not really ha having many visitors or audience, but is building that. What, what recommendations or advice can you give to startups who are looking to partner with brands to create branded content ultimately generate advertising revenue, but don't yet have the audience. Can you think of any strategies that might be successful as you're building, a, as you're building the audience? What, it, what does it do? Can you tell us what it does? The, the, that? In this case, it's, it's actually a curated music video site with original programming. So MTV of 2013, which is actually online on all connected devices, truly MTV, unlike MTV of today. So playing music television. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of one of the dilemmas, right? If you're if you're a startup, you want you, you need the brands involved to kind of generate like a, a revenue or a business model, but you're not quite big enough for someone. I mean, how do you well, I mean any, anyone can answer What we that. found at, at GoPro is uh I mean, the way we encourage people to use our cameras, so we we say if you make a 100% GoPro video and it's badass, we will push it. So that's an opportunity to get your, your video seen. And what we found is that so much creativity um, is coming out of the woodworks essentially on, around, that, around that concept. So I would encourage you to make videos using GoPro cameras, but also, <laughs> <laughs> plug. Um, but you know, also I think that consistency you know, I think that what, what I've seen out on the web um, is that a lot of people are flocking towards this, the sites that they know consistently put out good content. And, and Jamie, I mean, if, yeah, if, if someone from a startup walks into your agency and says, hey, you know, we'd love for Brand X, we want some of Skype's money. Yeah. What do they have to do? Is it figures? Is it audience? Is it innovation? What do they need to put in front of you? So I would say, this is what I would say to you as a, as a very specific piece of um, 
advice. I would f look at who's doing work that you think is exciting. Um, what I, and this is just from my perspective. I would look at what uh, branded content agencies and ad agencies are doing really interesting work from your perspective. Then I would find out who their um, their digital media people are or their digital strategists are. Then I would f do be very creative about talking to those people, and then I, and making sure you get in front of them and show them what your platform can do. Make them evangelists for your platform. They'll go to their creative department. This is I'm just telling you this is how it works in our agency. They'll go to their creative department and they'll say, "Dudes, have you seen this sh cool shit? Look at this cool shit. What could we do with this cool shit for?" one of our current brands that we have, uh, Mattel, Scrabble, you know, Lego, uh, Skype, what could we do for those brands? Could you think of something? And then your creative, the creatives think about that. Then we go and pitch it to the client. And then you have someone who's willing to put money in promoting something interesting that's happening on your platform. That's, that's what I would probably do. Um, it's always going to be a long shot because there's a lot of competition for creating interesting ideas on different platforms. But if it were me and that was my startup, knowing the way our agency works, I would call Josh Brandau um, in my agency and say, hey, I've got this cool thing. What do, you, what do you think and what could we do with it? Take a few points, put them to the side, give a little bit, little bit to the uh, artists you really want on the platform. A little bit goes a long way. You could dilute the company later anyway. Cool. Okay. I think we have run out of time on that note. So yeah, I wanted to give, uh, if everyone could give the panelists a big round of applause. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure a few of us will hang around for a few minutes afterwards if you want to come up as well. Thank you.